All right, my Triumph fans, here we are with our first episode of Triumph Season 2. I'm Daniel. Season 2. Sizzling, spicy, CCC Season 2. We've, of course, you know our regular co-host here. They might. I don't know. I mean, it's been a while. They could have totally forgotten about us. I feel like things move pretty fast in the in the podcast world. My name's Bo. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Uh, my name's Bo. I'm very, very excited to be here today. Uh, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be Loki, which is exciting. I don't know this little show you may or may not have heard of uh, to kick off season two. Uh, Daniel, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm really excited to get back on the mics. Uh, it's been a little bit, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, Loki and dive right into it. Um, but I think it's also worth mentioning we got a, an extra guest host here. Uh, Noah, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Back to uh, back to be back again. No, that's not the right way. It's good to be back again. So I appreciate you all asking to be on this one. <laughs> that's right. You you may remember Noah from our uh, Ahsoka predictions episode. That's uh, right. Which was a ton of fun. That's um, right. Where we were 100% accurate and predicted all of Ahsoka correctly. Then you showed up. Crazy. There was time travel. I, I mean, we nailed it. Really, it's like uh, it's like what's his name from the Good Place, where he magically guesses, you know, the exact origin of the afterlife randomly. Oh anyway. yeah, yeah. It, it was almost like we wrote it. <laughs> almost like. Don't it. tell anybody. Know it. Don't tell anybody. Dave Filoni's Ghost Riders, uh, <laughs> present and reporting. Ghost Rider. But uh, aside from us having the inside track on Filoni, uh, I feel like. Um, we maybe had a slightly harder time uh, predicting Loki season two. I know I did. Ooh, uh, with all the kidding. time travel, timey wimey <laughs> craziness, uh, they really after season one they really could have taken it in any direction. Um, but in a lot of ways, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with uh, with season two. Lots of interesting twists and turns. Bo, uh, Bo would that be your uh, your experience as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, to to recognize that right now Marvel is in sort of a, I mean, I feel like a broken record saying this, but it's just been a strange time for Marvel. I mean, coming off the high of Endgame, I think it's it's still sort of, audiences aren't sure what to expect anymore. You know, we have these high highs and these low lows. And so um, after Secret Invasion, I, you know, I, I, I forgot how much I had loved Loki season one. You know, I was like, oh, here comes another Marvel project. And I, and I totally forgot how special Loki season one had been and so when I decided to just sort of play episode two on a whim I was sort of blown away all over again by the incredible production design of Loki Tom Hiddleston's of course just show-stopping performance and consistency and love for the character um jumping into it again was like oh yeah this is why I love Marvel because these are the kinds of stories that are only possible when you get people who really love this universe and also you know the the, the budget and the and the resource support to make, you know, an incredible feat like Loki happen. I think a lot of those were physical sets that they did, um, you know, all kinds of really interesting TVA locations. And um, so very, very cool to be thrown into Loki season two. Um, a, a bright spot in my current relationship with with the MCU, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely of the Disney Plus uh, MCU shows. It's it's the crown and the it's the jewel in the crown, so to speak. I feel of what uh, MCs have been able to offer. Of all of all the Marvel projects, the thing that really stands out to me about Loki is it has the best graphic design. Yes, 
Very it's, unique. It's got it's got the best opening, you know, credits. It's got the best ending credits. It's got the be- you know, TVA has like a whole brand identity with like Miss Minutes and the like the door to the chamber is like the hourglass, which is like for all time, always. That's my that's my little thing about somebody got paid not enough to do all that very very clever type and 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 in symbol work it makes you want to like watch the credits every mm-hmm. single time to get any hint of what's happening yes so i i definitely caught myself watching the end credits almost every single episode and i was i was very close to going as a loki variant for halloween Ooh, which I just one really wanted the his jacket I, I just wanted the jacket from season one that just said variant on the back yes and i was like look if i just wear this then i can be a loki variant <laughs> doesn't matter what else i look like just have the jacket i had Nailed sort it. of a different uh loki uh realization which is that that jacket he wears in season two is so cool his like detective jacket mm-hmm. with the just gigantic collar that mm-hmm. he just kind of flips out all the time I literally like I went yeah. and thrifted some wool jacket and started wearing it with the collar out because I was like, oh, this was such a cool look. Tom, I mean, but no matter what <laughs> I, I do, I can't be. I mean, Tom Hiddleston is just incredibly handsome. Very, very difficult to uh, <laughs> to compare. Did you uh, which variant? Which look? Just just yeah. just the variant, like variant Loki, like arrested at the end of Avengers Loki. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm growing. I'm growing my hair out, so I was like to the to the hair length, and I'm sure I could have caught the the look of the hair. Sure. But, you know, I'm not going to cut my beard, so I was just going to be like, somebody made that comment because I was telling them about it, and they were like, "Well, you have a beard," and I was like, "I'm a variant idiot." Right. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, if I just get the jacket with the word on it, I'll be fine. I'm exa- I'm this exact variant with a beard. Yes, that's my costume. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. I you I think you could rock the horns. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, <laughs> it would have just weighed too heavily on me if I wore that all night. I think. Well, the crown is a is a weighty responsibility. Heavy <laughs> <laughs> is the head that wears the crown. Uh, so okay, so season mm-hmm. season one was. I mean, are we unanimous that season one was fantastic? Is this something that was special for all? I mean, I, I feel like it's like a nine out of ten as far as I'm concerned, and it's hard to remember all the details now. But what I remember is. Us all talking about it at some point and just mm-hmm. being totally compelled by it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's something something about the, this show specifically is it's it combines this superhero universe with sort of a sci-fi like nineteen like nineteen seventies eighties sci-fi feeling to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's so I, I don't know. It's so retro futurist and 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 strange and it's a main. It's like the main character is a villain sort yeah. of becoming a hero. So there's definitely nothing else like Loki. I mean, Noah, did you what 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 do you remember most about season one? I, I do remember watching it multiple times, um, and no, yeah, I, I I I've been talking to Daniel about this, and I was like, I think we watched episode one of season two, and then was like, oh crap, I need to watch all of season one all over again so I understand what's going wow. on. So it's like between the span of when uh season two episode one came out and season uh two episode two came out i had to rewatch all of season one just to be like okay now this all makes sense again because <laughs> it it goes right into it yeah. right that first episode is just right into it and you're like wait hold on let's start now over. that it really all, does <laughs> now that it's all finished i almost feel like instead of calling it season two season one they should have said part one and part two yeah <laughs> i just yeah. feel like that would have it would better encapsulate because it really is just two halves of uh, of the full narrative. 
Like it didn't Sorry, feel that's just like my, another season. What's up? That's just my gag reflex. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear somebody, you know, split something into part one, part two, <laughs> I still have, I'm still, I'm still getting over Deathly Hallows and, and Mocking Jay and all those <laughs> Hobbit part one, two, and three. And uh, oof, oof. Oof. Yeah. 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 Well, I agreed. Although I do feel like, uh, as a show, um, you know, Loki, I think has earned the part one and part two. Both parts felt sure. really fulfilled. I didn't feel like they ex- they stretched out the story too long or condensed yeah. it too much. Like now that we've got like a full story, like it, it definitely feels complete. If anything, maybe, and we can get into this a little bit later, maybe they could have padded out some of the end stuff because um, it did feel maybe a little rushed at the end. But Ew. overall, I think we've mm. still got a great story. So, what are you talking about? The end took like centuries. <laughs> it took him centuries. What are you took talking him, yeah. about? The end, seemed a little what, rushed. like a literal million years to learn all that? Well, maybe that's exactly what you're referring to. But to learn all that <laughs> astrophysics and then have it be useless. Well, you know, uh, it was. It, it definitely gave me um, Bill Murray Groundhog Day vibes. You know, yeah, he's like a theory, <laughs> just like I am a god. Not the god. I am a god. A god. <laughs> yeah. It, Seeing if I could do in in pot in listeners, right? You don't have video, but he does the little finger turn. I sure. Love. It's just well, it's almost like he's checking <laughs> for a breeze, <laughs> and then just sort of rewinding the breeze. In, yeah. in an alternate reality, I think Tom Hiddleston would have made an amazing Doctor and Doctor Who, because ooh, he definitely ooh. gives those. Um, Doctor Who vibes, like I'm thinking Matt Smith and David Tennant uh, vibes of just being well, kind of British. crazy, but also uh, very clearly intelligent, but uh, uh, not quite all there, but that's a lot of zany energy. Well, no, you're you're 100% right, and I hadn't even drawn that connection, but he is a, he is a, like, British, time-traveling, quirky man in a nice-looking coat. You know, yep. like that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the 10th of the 11th doctor formula. I feel like, um, <laughs> I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned it because I, I, for the first time in like eight years, I'm considering hopping on the doctor who train again, uh, because they brought David Tennant back apparently. Yeah. For like three episodes, three specials. Yeah. For like three yeah. episodes. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if they're any good or not, but have you guys watched those? Are they good? There's only one out so far. I have I not, not watched it yet. Yeah. We'll see. There you go. We'll find out. So, we'll see. He did, I mean, David Tennant is is, uh, is is worth it. We'll see. And another uh, Marvel product, I really loved his turn as the um, as the Purple Man bad guy. Was that his name? Purple Man? I don't The guy who yes. did the mind control in... Ian Jessica Jones. In Jessica Jones. He, he was, was a phenomenal villain. Oh, he was so good. And he was great as uh, just recently in Ahsoka. Um, oh, yeah. He was... Hu Yang or Hu Yang, Hu Yang. Um, you say it, the robot, the yes. robot Jedi trainer. Yep. Yeah. He's just, he's just prolific. He just stays, stays doing cool sci-fi fantasy stuff. For sure. It, in Loki, uh, I feel like um, season two, uh, it introduced a couple of new characters, which I love. Yeah. I love the new characters. Um, I do feel like maybe a couple of the characters that we'd gotten a lot in season one maybe got shortchanged in season two. 
Definitely. Um, like Sylv- uh, I feel like Sylvie was treated more as a plot device and less as her own character this time around. Yeah. Which was a little, a little disappointing um, because I really loved uh, Loki and Sylvie's uh, back and forth through time uh, in season one. Um, I thought that both uh, actors had great chemistry with each other, um, but it was great to see more of Casey, uh, more of Mobius, a lot more of Mobius. And I mean, mm-hmm, Owen mm-hmm. Wilson, is, he just he just did the Owen Wilson thing and it was perfect for his role. It was amazing. It was sort of a, I mean, it wasn't, I feel like it was way more sophisticated than, you know, his typical like rom-com uh, roles, you know, there was definitely more subtlety and complexity there, and I and I know that I, you know, I, yes. I read an article recently where he said he really loved doing, Mo- you know, he found Mobius to be really compelling and fun, and he had a great time being on set of Loki. I feel like you can tell, you know, you can definitely tell. But to your point, there were a lot of uh, characters that I felt like were shortchanged, you know, like a character that seemed to be really important according to the in universe, like like Loki and Mobius would mention this character, and it was like. You were supposed to feel chills, but that character really didn't show up or matter very much at all was Renslayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Renslayer mm-hmm. had this huge arc in the first season, was like the villain, um, and then, you know, pretty much didn't matter or have any impact on the story moving forward uh, in season two. There was that moment where they almost staged that coup, but it was mm-hmm. sort of like it didn't even seem like she was there. I think she had very, very little dialogue overall. And then to your point, I also really wanted to see more of Loki and Sylvie, I felt like there was a lot of like, like, you know, the episode where they're on that moon that's about to explode and they're on the train car mm-hmm. and they sort of have this, this very strange moment, you know, this, this, are they falling in love, you know, with, with their variant versions of themselves moment, which is a really compelling story, I think. Um, and that's just not where they took it in this season too. They didn't, they didn't even attempt to, you know, address the question of, is this a love relationship, a romantic relationship? I think they very solidly ended on, you know, for the first time in Loki's life, Loki has friends. And I think they decided Sylvie was one of those friends and Hunter was one of those friends and Ouroboros was one of those friends. Um, and it seemed like they really put all their chips into that basket um, versus doing the Loki-Sylvie romance. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I missed it. I, I mean, I, I, and they never fully explained the, the Oklahoma McDonald's thing either. And maybe they don't have to. Maybe it's mm-hmm. obvious that like she wants a simple, normal life. But that's a lot of brand placement for a random, <laughs> for like, just like something they're not going to explain. Like why McDonald's specifically, right. Sylvie? Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, right to the point where you have Owen Wilson talking about how great the food is. And I'm like, okay, okay, it's McDonald's here. Okay. I, I, I mean, I. I know I just said it was a lot of brand placement, but on the flip side, it was very well executed in the sense that it did not feel like, <laughs> I mean, it was not like, try some of this Moco Coco drink. Like it wasn't like Truman Show brand placement. It was like, like, it, like I believed Mobius. He was like, like you just felt like Mobius, something he <laughs> would interrupt a conversation to say, like it could have been Burger King or Wendy's or, or the pie, you know, <laughs> for example. Like yeah, Mobius is going to tell, he said, man, this food is like, he's, He's going to be jet ski salesman dad. Like that's his, that's his character. That's his personality under the hood. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, lo- he is playing the character who would get excited that the McRib is back. That's, that's the character that he's playing. <laughs> and, and what an interesting layer to play, like to be an actor playing a variant 
and to have sort of the personality traits and tendencies and preferences of somebody in a career in the human world. And then to act on those, not knowing where they come from in like the TVA, for example, does that, mm -hmm. is that making sense? Yeah. Like yeah. I would imagine the actress who plays uh, Hunter, for example, would have to take on this sort of persona of a, of a, of a surgeon who is intelligent <laughs> and calculating and, and planning and aware and then sort of apply that as if she were not a surgeon, but apply those same behaviors. I think, I think, I, I imagine they had a lot of fun with that. Right. Well, and it, but it was interesting too, because it, she also showed the care for her patients, right? Yes. So that interaction with her and the little girl, but then you get this person who is a very strict person who's all about business, you know, in, in the TVA. Yes. So that was also interesting too. For sure. Yeah. Cause I think she was a, she was a pediatric doctor. So like her original self, so to speak, um, was a doctor who cares for children and uh, can, is very empathetic. But then when she's in the TVA, she's called on to tap into a very different set of skills that are still doctor adjacent, like you said. Um, yes. Making life or death calls and but stuff like that, but. And then you get Casey, who, for some reason, is one of the three people to escape from Alcatraz. Uh, but his variant is, you know, just which, which someone was who's hilarious like out about everything. For the right? record, <laughs> hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Because we knew where we were going uh -huh. with Mobius. Like we were almost certain we knew exactly where we were going with Mobius, and we thought yeah. we kind of knew where we were going with Hunter. But Casey was just like it could have been anything, right? And for him to just be an absolute miscreant. I thought was a hilarious rug pull. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I had like an, oh my gosh moment when it was showing that scene, like almost immediately. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know what this is. <laughs> and I was watching it with my girlfriend. She's like, wait, what, what, is, what is this? I'm like, this is Alcatraz. Alcatraz. <laughs> I see the mask, you know, the paper mache mask and I'm freaking out. Yeah. That, yeah, was, that was, yeah, that was a nice touch. I, um, that he just is a criminal, like, uh, very cunning, very intelligent, which we know from his, um, you know, time in the TVA, but just in, the, in TVA, he's, just, he's a paper pusher. So, well, it's almost a, it's almost a mini, uh, nurture versus nature thesis, you know, because here's this Casey who works in the TVA who's very loyal and sort of nervous and rule following and wants to do a good job. And then you have this absolute cutthroat murderous Casey uh, who is going to do whatever it takes to get the best deal for themselves right. and, and get out of there. Uh, Grabbing anything that's not nailed to the ground. Yes, right. exactly. They got me the, the other... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, it is it is kind of ironic that uh, his variant or his original form uh, is, is someone who breaks out of prisons. You know, like that's his thing, is he's a criminal who breaks out of the most impregnable prison. Like... yeah. And then, oh, in uh, in the TVA, he's like the most loyal by the book. He's the only one who's actually read the TVA book other than Ouroboros. Exactly. Uh, so, or sorry, or Ouroboros wrote the book. So, like, he's the only one who's actually read it, and he's very like by the book. Uh, so, I just thought that was kind of a funny, ironic thing. Well, it speaks. I mean, it speaks to his capabilities in either case. And this is sort of, I mean, this is, this would be a, a key thesis for any show that wanted to elevate, you know, the, the, the little guy, the underdog. I mean, this would be a key thesis in, you know, regardless of, of how you think somebody appears, like they have, 
intelligence and merit and 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 curiosity and the ability to learn and, and solve really difficult problems regardless of their you know origin and that was true for the casey origin story before we found out that his life on the timeline was you know one of the alcatraz escapees mm-hmm. and it was you know and it was true after um one character i want to talk about that really confused me and 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 maybe you guys can help me here because i feel like i feel like i got hit on the head you know somehow surgically had this character removed from my brain because when he showed up on screen in season two i had no idea who he was and i felt like i was supposed to know who he was and i felt i felt like i missed an episode between season one and season uh, episode episode uh one and episode two or episode two and episode three which was hunter x05 uh this this guy brad who is like like was it was he in season one and i forgot was was there some moment that I missed where he was super loyal and then all of a sudden escaped to the timeline? Like we, like I think, did I fall asleep when he walked through the time door? Like, has somebody help me understand here this whole Brad thing that happened. I I felt like he just kind of disappeared, but tried to escape right and tried to stay hidden right by making this uh, actor. A uh, famous person, um, so he was like, "Well, the the whole TVA is going down at this point, so he's like, might as well make the most out of it, out of the knowledge I know. So let me just hop myself back in to the timeline and give myself this uh, awesome star character who probably has a lots of money and you know making himself famous and he's enjoying his life. And then they come and pull him back in. I, I think he was just done with it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe I checked my phone at the wrong time or something. But I felt like episode one ended, and then episode two started, and I felt like I had missed like two whole episodes because they went right to. I think it went <laughs> right? right to Brad at his premiere or something. Was like, I. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like um, he, he was one of the hunters in season one. Yeah, and he was just one of the hunters. He wasn't like. Um, X fifteen the 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 main hunter. Uh, I think she was like seen as the cold calculating B-15? one. B fifteen. What was it? B fifteen. Yeah, and then she was the cold calculating one, and then he was uh, kind of maybe the more wasn't didn't have quite that cold exterior. But I seem to remember him in season one as kind of like a background character um, or a side character. Um, but as far as introduction in season two, I don't recall like a specific thing in season one where he he fled off, um, you know, using one of the um, TVA devices. Um, I, I, I seem like that was something that happened off screen. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe I mean, if that didn't bother you guys, then no, go ahead. Well, it, but I, I was just like, wouldn't episode one happened i really didn't like his character and i do this thing where i hate characters and i realize that the actor is a great actor because i actually hate that person (laughs) and i hate the actor and i know they did a great job but this one i hate i hated the character not because of how bad they were being portrayed but what he was doing and what he was going on and then he they give him some humanity so like by the end of kind of his story arc you're like I really liked him, and I think I turned to my girlfriend and was like, I like his character a lot. 
this is it he's just playing it really smart you know and in some parts he's a little funny and and you'll catch little funny quirks about it and then you get that ruthlessness at the end where he's just watching everyone get you know crushed in that little cube and you're like damn he's just letting that happen not even saying a word what a brutal like saw level moment of just insane what an insane way to kill oh my god and when they all Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the in terms of uh, characters that you hate, like I don't feel like anything compares to Dolores Umbridge. Like for me, that's <laughs> the that's the pinnacle of like how how much you can hate a character. And mm-hmm. so anybody else, you know, to me is 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 small potatoes. Oh yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Dolores Umbridge is the most evil character in Harry Potter. That's oh yeah. The- <laughs> Got Voldemort uh, beat by a mile. Yep. Miss <laughs> um, Minutes. <laughs> Literal. I think. I'm so sorry. Literally more evil than a baby murderer. <laughs> yeah. Just because of just because of uh, <laughs> how she performs that role. What's up with Miss Minutes, Daniel? Oh, uh, I mean, Miss Minutes was really interesting to me as well because in in season one, especially at the beginning. It just seems like, oh, okay, this is this is their exposition dump character, right? Oh, yeah. it's just a little uh, cute um, 50s informational uh, styled so to give us uh, the rundown on the TVA. And then somehow she developed into like a full personality and Tara Strong did an amazing job performing uh, that transformation of that character uh, into like, kind of psychotic and yeah the animation the animators did a great job in the victor timely episodes um with miss minutes being out of focus but because she's an animated character she's got these large disney expressive eyes and things like that so even though her character's out of focus like you can see read exactly how this character is feeling and the conflict and like the it was really really sort of like a like a Mickey Mouse meets Hal 9000 situation. Yes. And I and it's it's interesting because I feel like when when popular fiction riffs on like current technological trends, it's really hard to do it without sort of feeling too on the nose or or uh, maybe a little ham-fisted. I feel like maybe Miss Minutes is a, is very much an AI moment that we're in culturally. Um and sort of the way that her did like behavior would shift dramatically and unexpectedly and mm-hmm. uh, was very reminiscent of like my experiences with chatbots. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you think you have like kind of a read on how they behave and then they sort of shift all of a sudden and they, they adjust um, to adapt because that's what they're doing is learning and changing. Um, uh, uh, but then obviously that classic sci-fi trope of the evil AI, you know, mm-hmm. who, who is all knowing and, uh, and out to get you in some ways you don't even understand uh, sort of super compelling and then also giving her that like human aspect uh where you want to you almost want to feel bad that she has some desire or emotion or intention yeah, uh, yeah. and especially across multiple yep. timelines i mean that's that's crazy to take like what should just be like a hell 9000 situation and turn it into like all those different situations at once and for us to be along for the ride and not to feel like it was a mess to, to feel like yeah that was a character that was one character I think that's um, a testament to the writing on Loki for sure. And then, of course, Victor Timely, right? Can't not talk about yes. it. Yes. And, and an excellent, uh, excellent performance by Jonathan Majors. 
really committed to that stutter. Yes. I mean, like they were not afraid to give him 10, 15 seconds to finish a word. And I, it was so, it, I feel like there was dramatic irony there. Like when they're trying to solve the, the, the loom problem and they are like literally down to like 15 minutes before the world explodes. And he's like, if, 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 if we just, just, and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like you're going to die. Like now you got to die right now. I feel like it worked to create that tension. I feel like they did that on purpose. Um, cause he's, he's the guy you want to hear what he says. So even though he's sort of can't get it out, you know, that it's got to, it's going to be the right answer. You know, he, he makes up for the speed with the quality of his speech. Well, and it's, it's funny how he who remains is making fun of Victor Timely yeah. too, right? the, when they're talking at the end and he starts to stutter to uh, just letting him know like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who Victor Timely is. Which and is like Jonathan Majors. fun of himself. And well, it's Jonathan Majors. It's so interesting because it's Jonathan Majors doing an imitation of his imitation of Victor, like of, of his performance as Victor Timely, <laughs> yeah. which is not the same stutter. It's like he who remains stuttering like it's not the victor timely voice he's mm-hmm. mocking it mm-hmm. but he's also I, mocking himself or some version of himself no wonder yeah. i mean yeah. no wonder these actors did such a good job because they had so much to work with yeah yeah lots of lots of good stuff i also like the the trade the conversation that he who remains has with uh with loki and he's like how many times have we had this conversation come back a few oh. thousand more cycles you know? That was a good rug pull. Yeah. I wasn't then, expecting that at all. There's also an interesting thing that happens too while while Loki is like time traveling is that when he's uh whatever they called it where he's slipping slipping, yeah. Um, squinching. We're gonna yeah. call it squinching from now on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was also from Harry Potter. Uh but split <laughs> splinch. Splinch, you're right. Splinching. Uh-huh. But yeah, whenever whenever he's jumping between times and he's jumping, like there's the th- the thing where he jumps back in time and he sees himself, right? So like he sees mm-hmm. himself acting, but then he does, but it's like the future version of himself within his own relative timeline. Um, yeah, he gets confused, but then he turns around and then he sees the past version of himself. But then when he masters it, he goes back in time, and it's not like there's infinite Lokis, right? standing shoulder to shoulder yeah. when he masters it somehow he's going back to himself rather than outside of himself yeah. um and i think that there's something more to that other than narrative convenience like um like somehow by by controlling it he's taking ownership of his own timeline in a weird way and that's what that's the transformation from oh it's something that's happening that he can't control to him gaining the reins and is able to control it versus him trying to take advantage versus him trying to manipulate and get the best deal. Um, and now that I'm saying that, I wonder if maybe Casey's origin story was partly an, an, a contrast to Loki's to really make Loki feel like the hero, you know, to put him next to, you know, somebody who, who truly is out, just out, out for themselves. Um, but but to your point that he's not trying to take advantage of the chaos and get the best deal and find an opportunity for power. He's trying to he's trying to unify, right? He's trying to solidify. He's trying to keep everything under control. 
And it, it's like one thing I have to keep telling myself is that this is a Loki variant, right? It's not the variant we see in Endgame mm-hmm. by this point. Yeah. It's not the Loki we see in, in Thor Ragnarok, right? So he doesn't have all of that knowledge going into it too. And you kind of have to remind yourself, um, hey, that's not the same Loki. So he doesn't have that those moments sure. in time. So so you sees the Loki from the Battle of New York, right? Yep. That is yeah. the height of uh, hubris, really. Yes, yeah. I uh, mean, that's the extent of how much the TVA is a foil for for who he is, and and how much it changes him. What is it? The Loki's job is to elevate others. Was what uh, Mobius put it? No, I guess so. Yeah, that, You're, yeah. I mean, a lot of people tell him he's a villain. Like, like the one I've got pulled up here because I think it's really, in, it, I think it plays a role in predicting the ending is what Brad says, what Hunter X05 says, where he's like, you think you're special, but you're not. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just make everything worse because uh, that's what you do. You lose. You're a loser. Stop trying to be a hero. You're a villain. You know, just just lose, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, people have this idea. This is this is what he's going to do. He's, he's, he's set in it. There's no way it's going to change. Interestingly... Brad is correct in the sense that the way Loki saves the world is by losing like, right? Like he's, he's, he says, I'm going to take on this burden. I'm going to become, you know, Sisyphus. I'm going to become Atlas. I'm going to become, uh, Yggdrasil and I'm going to, uh, grab all these reins and I'm going to lose everything that I want to, you know, protect so bad, you know, everything he spends the whole show learning to love, he's going to turn around and lose it again. And it sort of combines his aspiration for a throne and aspiration for power with his newfound love for like what life is about. It's just very, very touching and incredible he, that well, they, he's, they managed to execute that. Ego. Yes. Yeah. Completely. But, but he gets what he wanted, but maybe not what he envisioned what he actually wanted, right? He, he actually gets to sit on the throne. <laughs> but... He's just literally sitting on a home holding or on a throne holding all uh uh you know all the time threads time and all time and for always and everything together. So yep, it's uh and also you know he's burdened with glorious purpose. You know less that, about you know, the mm-hmm. less about the glory and more about the burden. Yep, and that is also that, the name well, of the first episode of the series and the last episode of the series. Because it's all about circular, um, yeah. you know, it all it all comes back together. Um, and and supposedly the line he says, kind of towards the end of on the season finale, was a repeat of a line that he said um, way back when in in uh, gosh, in Thor what movie was it, it was in probably the first one of the Thor, Thor, movie. Thor movies, and that was not written in the script tom hiddleston as his devotion to this character said hey i, I feel like i should say this line again yeah um for what for you for all of us yes right? yeah yeah exactly and he's also he's the loki is forever you know he's the god of chaos like that's what he represents so for him to sort of embrace like you know the role of sort of creating order through all of the chaos of the timelines. It's uh it's mm-hmm. ironic, but it's also very it's also strangely fitting, you know? And that I think it's also important important, like uh Sylvie points out, is uh he doesn't what he does is he is he gives um 
he gives the universe a chance. Like mm. it's not that by doing this he's defeated um Kang and all the rest. It it's that he's actually given the universe and all of its timelines and all of its variants, he's given he's given it a chance to to be something more than more than what it was. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of uh, because we had to look up how to pronounce this word, right? The 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 very end, he grabs all the timelines, and it's like very reminiscent of the Yggdrasil tree, right? Did I say that right? The world yeah, tree, yeah. Right. I, um, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Anyway, I think that I, I that sounds right to me. <laughs> I have no clue. I don't know. You know, well, in in. I just okay, so uh, I just finally watched Spider Man Two into the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. right? Oh my um, gosh, so there good! Was, there was right, and there was an, a scene where all of that's happening too, and you almost get that same visual graphic of this tree of all the timelines and all of the variant and everything coming sure. together. And I was like, oh my gosh, we just saw that in Loki, right? So it's interesting when you're watching all of the parts, right? Because they are leaving breadcrumbs in all of the different parts of uh, the MCU. Well, you know, Spider-Verse is, if if I'm remembering what you're referring to, you're talking about the web. You're talking about the Spider-Verse, like specifically where it's all one big web interconnected. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, did uh, a part in it where it kind of looked like it was a tree. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Are you pulling up a picture? I'm trying to. We'll see if I'm. I feel <laughs> one of the one of the things about across the Spider Verse is like Loki. It is also you know sort of multiversal in, in scope. Mm-hmm. Um. So was of course uh, Doctor Strange, um, <clears throat> uh, Doctor Strange two, poor poor, poor thing, poor movie, sucks to be that movie. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different comparisons for how to do a multiverse story correctly but i think the biggest thing is how do you attack the sci-fi concepts and make them like absorbable how do you make them understood through action or dialogue or whatever um but then also like how do you care more about the characters than the actual logistics of the time thing and i feel like across the spider-verse threaded that needle just a little bit more effectively than loki season two did just because with Loki, Loki season two, I had a lot of like, like, for example, if the loom were going to fall apart, then wouldn't that be like a snap level MCU event? Like, wouldn't that affect all the timelines, not just the ones that we've seen on Loki, the show, but like, wouldn't that be a snap level occurrence? And so, you know, this, these moments where you see like the particles, you know, the whole, the whole world descending into like pure time and then dissolving or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, where Sylvie is turning around and the record store is disappearing in front of her. Like if it's all time always, then is that, is that happening at specific moments or is it happening at all moments? It's yeah. sort of, and if I, it's I, part of the sacred timeline. Right. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think they're <laughs> obfuscating it on purpose because you can't really say, and it's like almost annoying to have to say and figure it out. But um, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of effectiveness as a multiverse story, I think Loki ranks just a little bit lower than other projects. Certainly not as low as like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, but I did feel that there was a little bit of a pacing problem with like like the significance of Loki's sacrifice to spend like a million years learning astrophysics. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I feel like should have felt a lot weightier than it was. Like, that's a huge deal. Like, he spent collectively, like, six months with these people that he's willing to, like, sacrifice everything for. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to spend a million years learning astrophysics. And, like, as easily as he was changed and transformed by his six months at the TVA, he could have, you know, experienced life. I mean, he had to eat and sleep and, you know what I mean? So it's sort of, I mean, there are a few moments where... I was wondering, but I was wondering if he did sleep. <laughs> he just... Andy. He just <laughs> he just stayed focused, right? Hey, he has that time. godlike studiousness. <laughs> uh, how many key lime pies did yeah. he eat? Oh, man. Question. Also, so I don't know. It? So I just feel like there was some there were some some threads that weren't quite threaded fully, or or um, I, I don't know. Did you guys feel that too? I I definitely felt like the last episode condensed a lot of stuff. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if spreading that out over more narrative time would have made it better. So that's where I'm also tough too, because like, okay, take the movie. I brought this up earlier, but Groundhog Day, like, I mean, essentially that's what happens, right? Is he takes on Mm -hmm. the Groundhog Day role, uh, Bill Murray's character, where after, the movie spends a decent amount of time establishing his relationship with the different characters. And then at a certain point, time sort of fast forwards and it's implied that he's gone through like a million cycles enough to learn how to play the piano and know the, the backstories of everybody's lives uh, in the town. Like, yeah. so there is that sort of point in that, and that movie's like, I don't know, two hours long, an hour and a half long, however long it is. So, in a sense, you know, maybe there was a way they could have um, constructed. Well, it's like, are you, yeah. I mean, you think he would have grown a beard at least. <laughs> maybe he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he should have yeah, been. Yeah, maybe he did. He, he should have been did. slovenly and gross and, you know, bags <laughs> under his eyes. Obviously, like, to your point, like, you, you don't want to, as an audience, you don't really want to spend all that time. Like it, it betrays the point. Yeah. Like you're really, if you're having a character, you know, spend a hundred years time traveling to solve a problem, then you're just solving that problem and you need to do it and move on. And so may, I'm definitely nitpicking a little, but, um, right. Do, do God's age and how long does it take him to age? Well, that's a good if question. He really was centuries and millions and you know, how long too? Well, I guess, should he have had, no, I guess you're change? right. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't. Cause I mean, th- isn't Thor supposed to be like four or 500 years old or something? Yeah, of course, the question also gets raised if that even matters, because he who remains is theoretically a human or was a human uh, at some point before he gained mastery over time. So there's something that happens whenever a person becomes gets mastery over their own timeline. And I think that's that's the key. It's like it's not that you can travel back and forth through time. It's that you can travel back and forth through your own thread of time interesting right <laughs> and so like at that point it, it becomes like a groove on a record yes yeah and it's just like he's just going back so he's not aging because he's literally going back within his own timeline so there's no aging involved Fish. it's just somehow he's able to keep his identity through through the time travel process i mean i 
I, I want to say like, I took, like, I want to be nitpicking and say, well, they should have showed that somehow, but it's like, how could they have? And it was definitely not the, I mean, it's the last episode, so mm-hmm. definitely not the priority, I suppose. Well, bringing back the example of Groundhog Day, I feel like the way that they did that was, um, they, it's because they get in Groundhog Day, they gave Bill Murray his nihilistic phase where he was just basically like killing himself multiple times uh in the middle of the movie um but then he keeps waking back up because you know uh he that's the part that's the part of the movie um and so there's that sense of like where there there's that that tension of his like sort of coming to terms with the with the futility of his life that creates a sense of um like he gives him a hurdle, right? Like, yeah, he like very clearly goes through the stages of grief about it. Right. And so yeah. the fact that we get that arc that he has to go through these emotional hurdles justifies the movie well, hand waving. Oh, then of course he learned how to play the piano and did a bunch of other stuff. Right. And it he's struggling through that whole thing, not understanding. And when he finally goes back, he's like, the loom is a fail safe. It, 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 whatever you do, there's no way to fix the loom, yeah. right? And so he's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, could he? Did he waste the time trying to to do the loom part of it? Yeah, um, because it was always destined to be a failsafe and to reboot everything every single time. Yeah, I mean, this is a great example of where Groundhog's Day and Loki is not a fair comparison because Groundhog's Day has very, very little logistic problems to solve in terms of explaining the time travel, why the time travel is happening how the time travel's happening. Yeah. It doesn't matter at all to the movie, and the movie still works whether you understand it or not. Right. Loki, of course, has tons of layers to unravel. The Loom, Victor Timely, He Who Remains, The Sacred Timeline, What Does the TVA Do? What Does It Mean When You Prune Someone? What's a what's a Tempad? Um, you know, what's Ouroboros' knowledge compared to Victor Timely's knowledge? Are they an Ouroboros themselves? You know, it's 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 like there's tons of these problems to solve, and so Again, to Loki's credit, to be able to address those, you know, even piecemeal and to also be able to, you know, bring you to tears with these incredible character arcs is certainly a testament yeah. um, to, now, to the quality of the story. I have story. a question, and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm going to go off track and maybe somebody wanted to finish up a thought, but I wrote down two things that I was curious to see what y'all thought. Ew. Um, cause as I was kind of doing research for 42. this, um, was the, was the Mobius, the Mobius and Loki relationship and that, um, I did read that somebody was like saying, well, this Mobius could be a Odin, uh, variant. What? Um, you did, you did not read anything no, about this. No, explain this. About how does, how would this work? So when you see Mobius in his real self, right? Not the not the variant that works at the TVA. He has two sons, right? Mm-hmm. One is very mischievous who has matches, and he's tells him, "Hey, come back with those matches." He runs off. Okay. His other son rides up on a uh, oh oh of a red course bike. because Mobius has two sons. I'm so sorry. That was like the and obvious he, part. I just his bike it. is red, and the bike that's on the ground uh, to assume to be already the uh, mischievy kid was green. And he says, hey, why don't you go get your brother? Um, we'll, we'll talk about doing something for you if you go do that, right? And he runs off. So it, it's 
there's kind of this weird thing is like, was that intentional, super intentional? Like, is that why that relationship works between Loki and Mobius? Because he's giving off very, you know, Odin vibes to, to I, him. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's an Odin variant, but the kid thing makes a lot of sense. And it, and it has to be intentional now that you've pointed it out. The green bike, the red bike, the red bike. Is it the red bike kid going to pick up the green bike kid? Is that what yeah. it is? So I definitely yeah. one thousand percent that that makes that's that's amazing. I feel like maybe what it is though is that because uh, maybe the in universe explanation is Mobius, you know, is familiar with this dynamic intuitively, in the same way that uh, Hunter, you know, B fifteen uh, is intuitively a caretaker. In the same way that uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, who was the other example? That Casey is intuitively like intelligent and conniving. Um, you know, Mobius is intuitively sort of this single parent figure. And, and Loki, of course, is a, a, a brother raised by a single, well, not entirely. I mean, obviously, they had their mother, but, you know, you have this Odin mm-hmm. kid situation. So maybe that's part of where their natural chemistry and dynamic comes from is they have this attraction to each other because they recognize something from their origin stories in each other. Which is so cool, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's super cool. <laughs> it also r- brings yeah. to mind that um, the that Sylvie was yeah. considered a variant because when she's doing play, she's playing as the hero instead of the villain. Uh-huh. Whenever she was a young mm-hmm. kid, and so that's mm-hmm. why she needed to be pruned is because she was she was imagining herself as a child taking on the heroic role. Yeah. Um and so again it brings back this uh this uh conversation of like well what who are you like innately versus your life experiences and the relationships that you make are are they do they end up being echoes of a meta uh relationship or or are they unique? So uh definitely a cool connection. I've now I did not make that connection when watching it at all, but I, I do I do like the idea of Loki kind of connecting to Mobius as sort of a uh a way to patch up the relationship that that were that he had with Odin. Um so I do like that. I think that's a really cool idea. I still find myself resistant to the idea that he's truly an Odin variant, but just because I have to scratch this itch, I'm on the Wikipedia looking for clues. <laughs> his his human name was Dawn. Mm-hmm. Which has mm-hmm. you know is three of the same letters that Odin does, right? <laughs> Don Odin, yeah. Uh, and, and Don is is a term of respect, right? Um, father, you know, like a yeah. like person he's in the, power. He's father, the man right? of the house. Uh, that's all I've got. Actually, I'm still scrolling, but well, it's okay. it's not enough to to be consequential, but it's it's interesting to think about the father comparison. No, Mobius really likes jet skis. Okay. And Odin died looking over the ocean. There you go. <laughs> ah, yeah, there see? you go. That's it. Nailed That's it. One. <laughs> hey, got it. My uh, so mostly the last thing I wrote down is something, and, and I wrote this down because I really thought I I had figured it out. Um, and so I don't know if y'all had your own theories about how this whole thing would end up and tie itself up in a bow, but I was under the notion. Uh, yes. What can I do for you? The. <laughs> The, the way that um, uh, he who remains seemed like he was just like knew every possibility that could happen. Right? Yeah. I think he knew that Loki 
was going to in, inadvertently reboot everything and reboot the TVA and just start it all over again exactly where it was and just putting it on the exact same timeline just right at the beginning. So I was like, he's trying to protect himself from it by inadvertently just creating it all over and just making a giant loop in time. Uh, Does that make sense? And so I thought that th- that's what was going to happen. Didn't end up happening. So I don't know if y'all had any thoughts of how you thought what was going to happen by the end of that. Yeah, I I think that that probably was he who remains his plan. And I think, I think uh, you know, Loki taking the third option, I think, was, you know, kind of the big moment. It's like, he who remains is like, haha, I've seen all possibilities. This has to be the way that it is. And then Loki saying, nope, I'm taking the third option. Um, I thought was really, uh, really cool. As far as how I thought it would end, man, uh... I I honestly didn't know I didn't have any solid theories as to how uh it might end other than the vague idea that um that Loki would somehow like reset the timeline like but I didn't really know how he was going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's a little bit boring for me as like an amateur critic is that I always expect the happy ending. Like, I just can't. And no matter how you know much time we spend talking about movies and shows and games, like I'm always just waiting for, all right, so, you know, they're going to kiss and live happily ever after and everybody's going to survive. Maybe one person will die and that death will you know, bond them all. And that's, that's the story. And, uh, so I, I don't know. I never, I don't find myself thinking about endings too often. I think what I do have a little bit of fatigue about is the, aha, well, well, you thought I was going to do that. So I anticipated that you thought that I was going to do that. So I did this and they go, ah, but I anticipated that you would anticipate (laughs) that I would anticipate that you would do that. Oh, well, actually I like, like, it's like, it's like Iocane powder and Princess Bride for me. It's like they, it's like oh well, actually I they both know, had it. Clearly, I cannot yeah, choose the wine classes. in front of you. Yeah, it's like I just I just find it all to be very tedious. And so some of the he who remains stuff, I almost feel like like I don't like I I feel like I don't want to spend the energy to parse those logistics. Like I want like a story should be about the people. And if we're like well, I don't think you're saying like into he like, anticipated. I don't think he was saying he was anticipating it. I think he lived it. <laughs> and he had to learn every single time. That that's how I perceived that. So it wasn't because of like, oh, I knew you were gonna well, he he knew he did that. Yeah. Right. So then next time that went around, he's like, and now I know how to avoid it this next time. So that's how I perceived that. It wasn't so much of yeah. I thought you would do that. No, you literally did that, you know, ten times ago. Oh, or I five think, times ago or I, whatever. I think that what I'm saying is that I'm confessing. And I think what I'm confessing is that I'm so tired of trying to figure out these sci-fi. That's just being old. These that's sci- just being old. You oh, I'm mean, getting older. You get older. <laughs> yeah, I didn't break so, a TV, That's uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I was going to go talk to in. somebody about it, but you guys have helped me figure this out. I'm so tired of figuring <laughs> out, like, what layer of this is, oh, you know, oh, this. if we've tracked this person's timeline. And I feel like it's MCU fatigue, to be honest. I mean, I was so okay. into everything leading up to I Endgame understand. and... I know what you're, I, I actually understand what you're saying now, because when I was watching, what, Secret Wars? 
I just thought it was laziness of, oh, that's not a human. That's a scroll. Whatever in disguise. Yeah. A, 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 wait, scroll. Oh, did so you like? Did you I watch like, Secret Invasion? Trust, don't trust anybody. Yeah, it was just like, don't trust anybody. Yeah. Anybody can be them. And so you're just like, okay, is that just being lazy? Because, oh, okay, it wasn't actually that person. Whatever. Yeah. You know, like that. I got fatigued in that really quickly. Yeah. So I, I understand what you're saying. I'm having, I don't know. I think I'm having a harder and harder time trusting these writers, um, especially all these Disney projects. And so I think that's what that is. And, and so what's more important you, to me is not necessarily like, was it he who remains his plan or not? But like, you know, did, did it deliver uh, something interesting for Loki? And I feel like there were so many transformations for Loki in that final episode that I almost feel like, we could have done with one less when because sure. it's, it's and you know I what they were doing like too much. with these Disney plus shows is they did not shoot pilot episodes. They just let them do what they wanted to do. Yeah. So that's why you get stuff that's really, really good. And then stuff that's not as great. Oof. They weren't shooting pilots. They weren't doing any of that, which is part of Bob Iger's thing coming back is like, maybe we need to backtrack and <laughs> shoot some pilots and decide whether or not to really invest this sure. amount of money in a TV Interesting. show or, or a streaming plus show. Um, so that's, you know, you get Secret Wars and then you get Loki, you know. That's it's fascinating. Just, that's how good some writers can be that they could just can pump that out really, really good. And that's a really good point. And I had forgotten the production significance of, like the internal production significance of shooting a pilot and then presenting it to a board and then deciding and then continuing or not and then um, selling like basically having to sell the show right that process although it is funny too when you watch a lot of pilots and then the the actual show is very different from the pilot but but it's like they so you make the pilot that will sell the show and then the creators are like, okay, we've gotten in. Now we're going to make the show we want to make. Now we're going to do whatever we want to do, yeah. But but at the same time, it's almost like going through that process of like, there you need that back and forth. You can't just say, oh, go, blank check, make whatever you want. It's going to be good. You, you There has to be that tension of like, well, you, you got to sell this at least somewhat. You got yeah. you to you earn it a little bit. Definitely. Um, but so it's like, Good and bad things have come out of that. Uh, I think Loki being as inventive as it was uh, and creative Super. as it was. Uh, WandaVision, especially at the beginning, was like, whoa, wait, this is what Dis Marvel Disney Plus is going to be like? That was this a is strong actually, like, start. Creatively interesting and wow. I mean, the ending, I have problems with the ending. I felt like it devolved into MCU blandness, but the opening was like so varied and different and strange and and intriguing and so was loki um but they like filmed those exactly how those shows were filmed back in the day so they did live audience with you know when it was i love lucy and bewitched like they filmed it in front of a live audience when they did the black and white they were using weird colors yeah. in order for the grays to to look mm -hmm. right so i thought that was super cool they, they had a, yeah. they had a great idea and they committed fully to its execution and it worked Mm -hmm. And it works. And, and what you can't do is you can't be Warner Bros. And you can't say, oh, we want to make a Flash movie. Does anybody want to direct a Flash movie? Okay, great. No. Now, does anybody want to write a Flash movie? Who wants to write a Flash movie? Right? I mean, this is, oh, this is no. not, you know, what, what you got to have somebody with a story they want to tell. And right. Loki and WandaVision are great examples. Um, you know, I, yeah. I mean. You, you, even, uh, um, 
Oh, you you can edit this part out while I struggle to figure out what the Star no, Wars. No, I promise uh, not to. Was. I promise not to. Andor. Andor. Oh. Andor. When it, that show, it, it you can strip away anything that would make that Star Wars, and it would be an incredible show, right? It was just a spy thriller. Yeah. Like you get all these things, and that's what a, a real writer can do is just literally take what the story is and put it into that universe. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be about Star Wars. This is just a great story. Yes, definitely. And 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 somehow like Mandalorian. Season three became the Flash. It was like, okay, what are we going to do with Din Djarin, you know, in our sandbox this month? And and in the meantime, Tony Gilroy is like, Penn is on fire writing the most incredible Star Wars script anybody has ever seen. I don't know. I was I was talking to Daniel about this earlier because I'm just a sucker and I and I'm going to enjoy it for what it is. It's supposed to be a serial. It's supposed to be who's the thing for the week. That's how this one Mando was, season was three thought process out. Yeah, so oh. I loved it when Jack Black and Lizzo were on. Like, I just enjoyed that episode. Like, some episodes are going to be the fun episodes, and then yeah. some episodes are going to be the serious episode. You're going to get that when it is a serialized show like that is supposed to be. It's what adventure are they going on this week? I think you have And the, then you've got the overarching thing that they're trying to complete. I, I think you have the exact right idea, and I'm so glad that you exist, Noah, I am just a hard ass, <laughs> is what it is. Well, uh, you know, Noah no and I, I think, also uh, grew up in the in the peak uh, era. Anthology. Of, of, yeah, well, of TV shows that were connected, but also they were episodic, so they could tell whatever stories they wanted in whatever order. I mean, even Clone Wars, the original, um, uh, well, the, the the Clone Wars on Cartoon Network, um, you know, was like it had little mini arcs. Then Which it is would have... my favorite Star Wars of all time. And I have to say so every time it comes up. It's so fucking good. Clone Wars is so good. It is so good. But it is very, like, episodic. And it goes all over the place. And um, I love it. Uh, so it's like, you gotta, you gotta, it's harder it, in this era of binge-watching streaming television. Um I think it, it, it's it's tougher whenever you're watching the episodes as they come out because you're you're hungry for the next like major plot twist, right? Yeah, you're, you're hungry for the next main arc to be concluded. Um, but then, so watching the filler episodes or the side episodes are like can be frustrating. I think but, I think it's just I, I mean the, the the not only has the production model changed but the distribution model has changed too. And it's not, here's an episode no, for you to for watch. Circle. Y'all talked about this before. It's going all back to cable television. <laughs> right. No, that's, I mean, that's, so, so, so you have these stories which go to the living room with ads in between them and you want to get a reliable product and you want to sell ads and you want to be something that people can digest easily and move on with their lives. And now we've got, I mean, what's happening in storytelling right now is so easy to forget is unprecedented, uncharted territory nobody's done a connected universe like mcu before nobody's done this level of quality storytelling in television for this many years in this way like like you know my expectation that it should be a novel or like a series of chapter books is totally i mean to to my previous point like i'm being a hard ass like it should like to your point like mandalorian (laughs) season there should be a tv show and and here comes but 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 on the on the flip side you know if we can if we can do better shouldn't we and so here's loki you know for example um, 
which is this incredible well and it's TV tough with, with mando season one it's it's basically just like a a lesson in filmmaking and in uh, cinematography right like if you watch the making of mandalorian season one they're like this episode was literally a celebration of this movie yes. or a celebration of this thing um and then once you get the content once it, once there's more episodes down the road it's not anymore about hey let's let's honor this samurai story let's honor the magnificent seven. Oh yeah you know now you're just you are just creating the, the television show well star wars loves the history of movies and tv you know you've got Boba Fett doing Lords of Arabia. Um, you've got, you know, the original Star Wars film, which, you know, you've got Ben Kenobi and Vader squaring off like it's Yojimbo. I mean, that's Star Wars. That's the DNA of Star Wars. It to be mm-hmm. referential to that which came before. Yes, for sure. We, and we are very solidly off Loki at this point. Woo. But you know what? It's so great congratulations to everybody for participating in this absolutely lovely train wreck. Well, I guess we can we can uh, we can end a, a little bit on a beat talking about MCU Phase Five. Five, where uh, does it go? Do we care? How does do Loki we care? connect to it? Yeah, I'm clearly I'm playing the apathetic role today because I can't even remember what's next in the MCU, and I don't know if I even care to Google it. The Marvels just came out, well, so there's that. I haven't seen Deadpool. It. Oh yeah, Deadpool, Deadpool is next. Deadpool. Ah, is that MCU? It. Yep. Yeah, it is now. It's, well, okay. It is now. All right. Now, it, whether or not uh, Ryan Reynolds will even let it connect to the MCU, who knows? Like, I think he's probably going to make it stick a, a needle in uh, in Kevin Feige's eye and make the most, like, absurd film that he can he can manage under Get Disney's watch. I mean, who are we kidding? Feige's probably seen it already. Right. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen a Deadpool film. I, I I just can't bring myself to be entertained by the foxness of it. You like Logan though, right? Logan was good. Logan was awesome. Logan was like yeah. Logan Logan is like Spider-Verse or Andor or Mandalorian season one. It's this sort of triumphant thing that persists because it's a great story despite production obstacles which would attempt to uh uh, what's the word when you do like a market, like you, you do like a market survey to see if audiences like something or not, you know, that, that, that somehow survived. Mm-hmm. Logan was great. Logan was a special gem. It was great. And a perfect end to, uh, to, uh, Hugh Jackman's, uh, run as, uh, well, as Wolverine. Except here we go. Yellow suit. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Big old banana. Know, have y'all, did y'all see Marvel's the Marvel's yet? I have not. I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't because I really wanted to go. Like I was really excited to go see that because I think Kamala is a great character, and I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't participate in the box office, and I feel bad about that because, like, according to box Same. office numbers, the Flash and Blue Beetle and the Marvels are no different, which is just not mm. true. Like they're all very different films, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. fail for mm-hmm. very different reasons. But from a box office lens. Oh, nobody wants to see superhero movies anymore. And so I felt guilty about not mm. supporting Marvels. Um I, I almost I almost went to see Blue Beetle just because there's so much like there's so much Latinx representation missing in superhero, and so I almost went to see it, but I I didn't want to vote for an objectively be objectively bad DCU film. <laughs> well I, mean, um, I actually heard it was pretty fun. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything ah, really. Ah, 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 you said fun. Yeah. You didn't say good. Okay, fair. 
<laughs> I also I have I, I have a soft spot for that uh, the actor who plays Blue Beetle because I'm a big Cobra Kai fan. So and I thought he was great in Cobra Kai. Um, and I can't remember the actor's name. I feel terrible, but so I kind of wanted to see it just I, I because I liked Cobra Kai and I thought it looked like it would be fun, but. Sure. I didn't see it actually. Well, but none of us, I, none of I, us I felt made bad a too that I didn't decision. see Marvels. I mean, here's the thing: like, maybe this is what Bob Iger. Part of the Bob Iger problem is, you know, where he's talking about. I think it was like this week where he was like, "We need to focus on quality over quantity." Is I don't have enough dollars to buy a movie ticket every time. <laughs> like I, well, I just don't. I, I like I'm not. I don't know if you guys are rolling in movie ticket money, but I'm not. A, I'm not gonna. I can't do it every time anymore. Like I've be given Marvel so much. Uh, Stubbs, there you go. AMC yep. shill over here. Uh, sorry, it's all Cinemarks near me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just like, how do you choose what makes the cut and what doesn't? You yep. know, for years, I was like, you have to vote with your dollar for the stories that you think are worth, you know, telling because that's yep. how you communicate to the box office that, you know, you want more of something is you vote with your dollar. You're a consumer in the market. You have to like mm-hmm. participate. But I just, I just don't have a, as a consumer, I also just don't have enough buying power to, to, to vote that often. So, well, and I try not to let like the critics of a, like watching a movie and say it's terrible. I don't let that change my thought on yeah. wanting to go see a movie either. Right. If I want to go see a movie, I will go see it. Right. So Marvel's it, I, I feel like at first they were saying that. Uh, the Marvels was not great. And then you start hearing other critics saying, no, it's actually a good movie. And so now they're split, but I'm just like, I try not to let that determine the movies that I'm going to watch. If I'm going to see the movie, I'm going to go see the movie. In the yeah. 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 I think that's well, a good mindset. It's a, it's a bad time to try to put out a superhero film because everything is skidding. Yeah. I mean, there was enough superhero fatigue when in, before Endgame even came out. And now it's just a whole new... It's a whole new world. Well, and if we if we go back to 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 seeing where this phase five will go, um, I, I don't know if you really want to get into what Jonathan Majors is going through right now, uh, because now it's like Disney's trying. I don't know if they're trying to decide do we stay with this actor because he's been dropped from a lot of movies he was involved with. So sure, now you've invested all of this stuff to have this big baddie. Um. Now he's in a little bit of trouble, and you know now he's going to court with, for all of this stuff. So, yep. You know, I was almost thinking, hey, Loki could have good could have been a good chance to just flip out the character because it's all about variant. So you could have, man, this would have been an easy out for easy Disney. fix. Um. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't do it. So I, I don't know if they're fully committed uh, to keeping Jonathan Majors or not. I mean, I, I I'm I'm not as old as you guys, but I do remember. Uh, you know, when James Gunn was ousted by Marvel for like three weeks because mm-hmm. of some old tweets and then they brought him back again. And I think maybe they're they're trying to maybe slow a little bit Derek. and not, you know, I mean, to be honest and, and not to cancel somebody too prematurely, um, mm-hmm. you know, f- yeah, you know, because if it blows over, well, we need this guy. We're we're bought in on this guy. We've spent a lot of money and time on yeah. this guy, um, which is not a good reason to, you know permit behavior or whatever but at the same time i i don't know it's i don't envy 
I don't know. The more we talk about this, the more I never want to, like, I never want to be involved in the making of movies ever. <laughs> like, it sounds so exhausting and tedious. And Just this conversation? Just, Just this, this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cynic Bo today, apparently. This just in, Bo's exhausted talking to Daniel and Noah. Oh, man. Well, I gotta go take a nap. <laughs> well, I, the Disney the Disney machine is so huge. Like, the idea that they would be even be able to, to turn it on a dime is, is madness anyway. Even if oh, they yeah. booted Jonathan Majors out. Um, I mean, they're also impacted by the writer's strike and the actor's strike and everything else. Um like they're they're just putting out fires at this point, and I think at the at the end of the day they've got accountants who are plugging away. Like, okay, what decisions can we make that are optimized for the most amount of dollars? And yeah. Jonathan Majors just I think isn't um, uh, the, the the controversy is not pinging as high because they also don't know how they're going to shoot movies without actors right now uh, yeah. so they're trying to solve that problem first well yeah while they toil away with their ai duplicates of everybody i was gonna say ai yeah well, like, well it doesn't matter because we don't even need to pay him to keep using him <laughs> ridiculous they already Absolutely have ridiculous. Uh, mark hamill's voice on ai they can just type up whatever they want oh to say. my gosh yes <laughs> well the real secret might just be that maybe they should stop mining nostalgia to get millennials in in theaters uh but i mean maybe maybe i'm just talking crazy i don't know but i maybe news (laughs) stories are the way to go maybe that's what we need uh to revitalize uh the box office but you know sure like uh you know i don't know i just feel like there's a lot of great stuff uh to be made in the future and i can't wait to watch it um, whether or not yeah. MCU is going to be a reliable place to find it, who's to say? But Loki has definitely shown that um, given the right creative uh, people behind it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, good stuff that can be made out of it um, as long as they've, they've got a good team. Yeah, I hope there's, there's a lot of good storytellers because right now we're just breeding a bunch of people who are rebooting things. <laughs> so... Who knows? Uh, re- reboots are always going to be there. I think. Well, maybe the joke's on all of us and the industry's going to be dead in 20 years because all the kids are watching YouTube shorts for five hours a day. So <laughs> Unboxing videos. This has been Triumph. Thank you guys so much for yes. joining the show. <laughs> Great to have you, Noah, and uh, stick around yeah, for, thank you. Yeah, for maybe more episodes down the pipeline as we uh, spend some time reorganizing and, and, and making a plan. Thank here, you so. all. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, listeners. Have a good one. Thank you, Marvel. All things considered, thanks for making stories, I guess. (laughs) Bo's actually super excited. Bye.